We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Casual Friday, the very first Casual Friday since the start of the regular season. I don't know if I love the timing right now, uh, but we do have a lot to talk about. And and when I say we, I mean myself, XJ, uh, and my partners in legal yet prof- uh, potentially offensive activity, Mensa the Goat, Sean the Great. I can take a strong guess... But Sean, how are the vibes and what's kind of like your overall takeaway uh, from the season so far? The vibes are, to me, they're mutinous. And they're mutinous because I don't know if this team and this organization can put up with a third consecutive season of unseriousness or for an extended period of unseriousness uh 21 22 so obviously the we here season happened vibes are off the charts um the next year season 21 22 we start five and one um but it the 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 wheels come off quickly and it was just a malaise of eh. the next year last season we started 10 and 13 and it was who should start and who's get who should get minutes and bench this guy, take this guy to rotation, what have you. But it, it righted itself, and we finished with uh 47 or 48 wins. Uh 48, 40, whatever. I don't remember. I'm, I'm getting old. Um, but now again, this team is two and three, and they haven't won a home game. Now the three losses, you can ex- you can you can explain them away. I mean, they Game one against Boston. Boston, if they stay healthy, might just roll, steamroll the league. Uh, at New Orleans, on a back-to-back after Atlanta, and I said this on Twitter, uh, Atlanta on a Thursday night and New Orleans on a Friday night is, uh, is <laughs> can be a problem for NBA basketball players with lots of time in their hands. Uh, like To be in Atlanta Thursday night, play on Friday night, you can you can leave you can land in New Orleans at midnight 
get to your hotel room at 1 a.m. and still have the whole night ahead of you in New Orleans. And trust me, I know, because my bachelor party was in New Orleans. And then to play Saturday night. So, all right, cool. And then, obviously, uh, when, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, back-to-backs against Cleveland. It's hard to beat the same team two days in a row. Um, but it's not that they're losing. It's, it's not the what, it's the how. And we will probably get to a big reason of the how later in the show. But I don't think that we can – I don't think that this team – and the majority of this team, which is full of really good players, like the Knicks from one to top to bottom, top one to 10, may have the best one to 10 in the league. Definitely the best three to 10 in the league. I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if that group of good players is going to put up with what is going on right now. I, I've co-signed all of that. I have some very similar concerns. Um, so it, it's good to get your, your way in on the vibes right now. It doesn't sound the best, but, um, you know, I'll say, I'll save my opinion on the vibes for, for last, but Mensa, how you feeling? How are the vibes? Well, the vibes in uh, Mensa Genderland are outstanding. So that's the first thing <laughs> as far as, as far as the Knicks vibes go. Um, I'm not, I mean, the vibes are, the vibes are mellow. I don't think that I'm not, I'm at least not at a place where two and three, uh, five games into the season, there are some concerning trends. There are some encouraging trends. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, losing again, a back to back one, you know, taking one and one against Cleveland, which is a good basketball team. I mean, they didn't have all their guys, but still a good basketball team. And like Sean says, very hard to beat a team two games in a row. Um, the Boston loss was really painful, but look, they just dropped, I think, like a buck fifty nine on Indiana. <laughs> so, you know, like that team is rolling. They're very good. And we played a very competitive game with two of our guys not looking their best. And then the um, I chalked up the New Orleans loss to freaky deaky voodoo shit that happens in New Orleans because I mean, that was just something it was just out of the ordinary for the, for the New York Knicks to shoot that bad, have that many turnovers, at least the New York Knicks that I know. So not quite worried about the season yet. Um, encouraged with the wins encouraged that we beat Cleveland in Cleveland. I'm encouraged that we beat Atlanta in Atlanta. We're two in what one on the road. And I don't expect us to go winless at Madison square garden. So I'm not, I'm not panicking. I'm comfortable with the vibes. I think the vibes are mellow right now. That's a very, very level-headed perspective that you just shared with uh, with our audience right now. I, I I have a similar level-headedness, but I'm just annoyed. So the vibes right now for me are just annoying. Like I, I'm not worried, just annoyed. Um, and like I almost don't even feel like I almost don't even feel like the Knicks deserve a casual Friday from us. I, I almost want to make it like a formal Friday, like where we talk about how the Knicks need to stop being casual and play with a sense of urgency, <laughs> like oh, no more casual for now. Um, but again, like I said, and like you said, Mensa and, and really both of you kind of had uh, this part of the tone and what you were saying, everything needs to be couched with the fact that it's very early to me. That was a bad loss against Cleveland. And you know, it is tough to beat a team that you play the same team twice in a row. The last time the Knicks beat it, a same team twice in a row was they just beat the Cavs three times in a row in the playoffs. Uh, so they showed that you can do it if you have the a team's number. Um, they just haven't looked good on offense so far. And there are some good things about it. There have been some good things about their offense. There's been some bad things. Um, 
most NBA teams are not super efficient early on in the season. Like they typically get better as time goes on. So we can obviously expect some uh, shooting regression for the Knicks that'll improve over time. But, you know, I'm just annoyed with the turnovers, the reckless passing. Uh, you know, you might say, oh, well, they're passing a lot more than they were last year. Well, no, actually, they're, they have the exact same number of passes per game and are going at a slightly faster pace, meaning that if anything, they're passing the ball or moving the ball slightly less on average than they were last year. Um, so that's not the reason for the turnovers. Um, and despite leading the league in offensive rebounding percentage, uh, you know, their calling card and rebounding on the offensive end at an even higher rate than, than they were last season, they're a bottom five offense. And, you know, to me, the largest part of why is that they just haven't made two point shots. And we'll get into more specifics about that as we go along, like who's not making the two point shots and why. Um, but yeah, it's early. I'm not super concerned. I'm more annoyed than concerned. Um, and I think there are actually many bright spots to be encouraged about. Uh, so I, I'm going to share my bright spots, but I want to hear from you guys first and let's transition into our first segment. We're, we're, we're unveiling a new segment here on casual Friday. It is called shout out. Um, so if you're listening to this pod, I can only assume that you're familiar with the game ball that, uh, that John and Jeremy do when they give each of their game ball for the last, the last week of play here on casual Friday, we're not going to give a game ball. We're going to each pick someone or something that we want to give a shout out to. Um, so GMAC, the GOAT producer, gave us a few options to choose for for our shout outs. Um, you guys ready to hear the options? Let's do it. All right. So first option for a shout out, we have RJ Barrett. Um, I doubt any of us here want to give RJ a shout out. Probably I have not. no idea who would do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we have Emmanuel Quickly. We have Mitchell Robinson. And we have Kith, the fashion brand behind the Knicks City Edition uniforms this year, um, and also the last few. So, uh, you know, I think we should go ahead and start with Mensa. And I have no idea who he might want to shout out. So, do you want to take it, Mensa? Yes. Um, so, I am currently in the process of starting a change. I think it's change.org. I change.org petition to have RJ Barrett's current stat line hung in the Louvre. Um, <laughs> 42% from three, 81% from the field, um, from the free throw strike. Crazy. That is all I want. I don't want anything else for Christmas. Santa, you can pack it up. You can put it back on the, um, on the sleigh. I don't care. I have what I want. Um, RJ Barrett has been, arguably the Knicks best player on both ends of the court. Um, Mitchell Robinson has been great, but he's not giving you the creation juice that RJ Barrett is giving. And what I'm getting from RJ Barrett is what I, I don't want to say I expected because there's been so much bad data from RJ Barrett as far as his stats over the first four um, seasons of his career. But I did yeah, I I don't it's not it's it's like somewhere in between expectation and hope where I was at with RJ Barrett because of what we saw over the eight game sample size that he gave us in the playoffs between games 3 of the Cleveland series and game 5 of the Miami series and then you kind of saw it continue to trend in the um in the FIBA tournament. And now we have an RJ Barrett who is not making as many poor decisions as he used to. It it I want to say that a flip 
that a switch flipped, but it's more just this is a kid who was a kid and he's now 23 years old and he's playing like a guy who is maturing right in front of our eyes. You know, the one thing that we as adults do when we go from, you know, adolescence to adulthood is we just stop making as many stupid decisions as we used to make. You know, like you are a summation of your decisions. And that was kind of RJ Barrett's stats. Now we're seeing that he's making more open threes, that he's committing on defense, that he is um, continuing to pass the ball and just playing well and being what the New York Knicks need, despite what the rotation may be. He may get pulled at a time where he's hot. It's not like he's coming back in the game and he's cooling off. He's continuing to, to keep that momentum and he's been playing so well in I would argue that we beat we were going to beat Cleveland if RJ Barrett is healthy. So um, while I'm shouting out RJ Barrett, I also want to give a big round of booze to um, Derek Elmer Fudd White of the Boston Celtics because if it weren't for him, we'd probably be three and two. I I mean that's well said. I it, it's crazy, Mensa, how the Knicks went from at least in my opinion being better with RJ playing like fewer minutes in the past to being completely trash without him. <laughs> yeah, look, last night they were shoot it was like a push a T album. It was bricks everywhere. You know, brick this, brick that. The first quarter was really, really hard to watch. And um, but I don't I don't want to take it away from RJ Barrett's moment by, you know, just disparaging the rest of the team. I just think that he's been really he's been really good for us through what four games because he missed one. And I'm just really proud and happy to see that the New York Knicks have not not one, but two guys. Well, three guys, actually, who stepped up and Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson that we've all drafted in consecutive years of the 18 and 19 and the 20 draft. And the New York Knicks are starting to see the fruits of their labor of doing the work before the draft. And RJ Barrett is a pristine example of what committing to your own players can do because they stuck by him. They stuck beside him. They tried to trade him, but they didn't like the offers that they were getting. And he's here and he's not, he's probably not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have much to add to that. Obviously you, you always drive the point home when it comes to RJ and you are looking once again, mental, like a prophet. Um, that might be, that might <laughs> need to be your new name. I don't know. Um, Sean, you have anything you want to say about that or do you want to go on to your shout out? Uh, excuse me. I'll quickly touch on RJ. I mean, you know, I've, Develop this saying, I guess, you know, in, in the KFS faculty chat, they call them Seanisms because I come up with these things, <laughs> I come up with these statements, and I don't know, like maybe they're just, you know, apropos and unique, whatever. But um, I don't think I made this up, but not all progression is linear. Uh, I remember telling that to the Hawks fans who thought that, oh, because they made the Eastern Conference Finals, the next year they're going to make the Finals, the next year they're going to win the championship. I said, no, not all, not all progression is linear. And for RJ, Clearly, his progression has not been linear, but, you know, I don't I cannot remember another player who was decided halfway through his rookie season that he was garbage and he never amounts to anything. So um, I, I am I'm so happy to see him continue the progression that we saw from the playoffs last year. For the most part, we're not going to talk about game six against Miami, but I'm glad to see it. And, you know, like you said, if we had him yesterday, we probably win. I feel confident that we would that we would 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 have won. Um, for shoutouts, I'm gonna give a shout out to Kith, and I'm gonna give a shout out to Kith because, you know, ever since Nike decided to take the 
uh, European football jersey model to the United States. Actually, and you did Adidas did before then, but you know, at, when you pay the amount of money that you pay for these contracts, like, well, how can we recoup this money? I know we'll do. We'll come up with brand new jerseys every single year for people to buy. Um, there have been some hits and there's been some misses. And Kith has Kith has done. I think this is the third uh, jersey that he's done for fourth. us. Fourth. Oh, it was fourth. The, Actually, it's fourth. Yes, yeah, they, they did, did the, the city, city never, never sleeps. sleeps. The two black jerseys and now this one. Mm-hmm. This one. So the yeah. three black jerseys. And, yeah. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw the city never sleeps jersey. I remember saying I've, I I channel my I channel my inner Joe Bud and said it was a two pack of ass. Right. But then it actually grew on me as I saw it, and I actually said it actually is better as a t shirt. But actually, I saw it like players wearing it. I was like, you know what? That's not. It's not bad. It's not bad. It, it didn't reserve the uh, deserve the uh, smoke that it got. And then the two and then the two black jerseys in the last two years, it was like, you know, these aren't like, OK, they're not like classic home runs, but, you know, they're, they're cool. Like, and clearly they 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 embrace like, OK, oh, they, I don't know if they had a mandate or whatever, like the primary color of this jersey is going to be black. And this one, you know, we saw the leak. And then we saw we, we saw the leak online of the picture and everyone's like, eh. But as I've seen it more and more, I'm like, you know what? It's kind of grown on me. And then when I saw the video this morning, uh, the, the video unveiling of Jalen and, and, and Josh play, I was like, you know what? Those I think that works. And even even though like I wasn't sure about the pinstripes at first, but I was like, you know what? I think this works. And I said, you know what? I need to see this in person because even the statement jersey last year, when, and they were also wearing this year, when it first came out, I was a big fan of it. Then I saw it in person. I was like, you know what? That works. And I actually have one now. So this jersey, I actually like. I, I like. And I know people are like, oh, the the, the double lettering and it, where's your 3D glasses and the pinstripes. But I think I, I'm waiting to see this in person, but I think they've done a good job because honestly, I've seen all the city editions and five of them are good. Two of them is eh. And then the rest of them are just hot garbage. Like they're just hot garbage. Like Nike should uh do better. And I say this wearing a Nike jersey right now. Uh, but I'm going to give a shout out to Kith. Um, it's hard to please New Yorkers. It's hard to make New Yorkers happy. We don't agree on anything. But I think that they'll like this one. I think that I think most more people will like this than don't. Yeah, I mean, I co-sign your shout out. I like the, the New Jersey's for the City Edition Kith jerseys. I like them since the imaging, since the rendering came out. I know I was uh, I was in the minority opinion on that. People were like, "Yo, what are you talking about? Aren't you a designer?" Like, <laughs> I guess some of the comments that I got, but it's just you know, I, to me, like they just look cool. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's, um, you know, I don't know if it's just accurate as far as like best design practices. I wouldn't say necessarily like, you know, for the most part, you wouldn't want to do, um, you know, lettering below lettering like that. But I think it just looks cool. And obviously everybody knows who the Knicks are. They know what city they're in. It doesn't really matter if you can make it out or discern it. It just matters how it looks. If it looks cool. So it looks cool to me. So I definitely co-sign that shout out. Um, anything you want to add on, on Kith Mensa? Yeah, so back in my uh, my younger years, I was a sneaker collector. I don't collect sneakers anymore because expensive and rent. But um, so the first pair of sneakers that 
like my my first pair of grails that I actually bought was back in 2013. I bought a pair of Ronnie Fiegg's ASIC Gel Light 3, the Miami Dolphins collection that he did. He did a Miami Dolphins pair, he did a Knicks pair, and the Miami Dolphins pair was perfect. So I've been following this guy for 10 years, and when he got the Knicks deal, I had such high expectations. And then like the jerseys, they weren't what I was expecting. Like he did a collaboration with the Giants and he did this cream Giants jersey. It was amazing. And I'm a Jets fan. So if I like the Giants jersey, he did a really good job. So to see these jerseys and to see that he took, he did the pinstripes, which is like a kind of classic, like Yankees kind of thing. And I did not think the New York, New York was going to work. Like the renderings, I didn't like them at all. I just thought it looked kind of cluttered, especially with the pinstripes. But the pinstripes like that, that tone is understated. And the New York, New York kind of does pop and it makes a lot of sense. And then to see it with the um, with the court, which we don't got to get into the court because, boy, oh boy, I'm not not happy with uh, this new this new court thing that the NBA is trying. But the jerseys, I think they're really good and I'm debating between either getting a Jalen Brunson or a Mitchell Robinson, but I really like these jerseys and I think I'm going to buy one. So yeah, great shout out. I, uh, I also think the courts are going to be kind of dope. We'll see, but I feel like we're going to just <laughs> like it. I feel like just watching, it's going to look so different and just weird and be like, yeah, what kind of game is this? Cause you never see these like dark color courts, all color courts like that. So maybe the Knicks won't look the best cause it's mostly orange instead of blue, but I think some of the court colors around the the, the league are going to look really dope. I I hate to say it, but I love Toronto's look. I think that that one looks yeah, really theirs is excellent. Yeah. Um. So so let me let me go over to my shout out, and it'll be quick. I don't have. I'm not going to be too long winded on this. My shout out is to Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, I know people probably expected me to go with quickly, but. To me, quickly has had kind of an up and down start to the season. You know, he's having his typical defensive impact, but I think he's trying to find his footing as far as like how he can make an impact on offense um, in such a way that will get him paid, <laughs> but also, but still providing the kind of impact that we know him to pro- provide. Mitchell Robinson, on the other hand, he is doing it again and doing it at just as high a level as he was doing it last year, maybe even higher. And it's amazing to me, his consistency. Um, The Knicks, as I mentioned at the top, are the number one offensive rebounding team in the NBA. Mitchell Robinson's the number one individual offensive rebounder in the NBA. Um, Offensive uh, rebounding the defensive glass really well as, as well. And to me, it's just, (laughs) this guy has like a, this guy has like a 10 usage. Like that's like, bottom percentile in the NBA and the fact that he's willing to work so hard on the offensive glass and the defensive glass and do all the dirty work. um, It's just, I think that doesn't get enough credit. I think that's really hard. I think when you see guys on the court, they want to get their points. Like they want to score. They want to be featured. They want to have the ball in their hands, even if they're not skilled guys or, or guys that we see as skilled. I mean, I think relative to, you know, somebody who doesn't play basketball, Mitchell Robinson is tremendously skilled, can probably do stuff with the ball that most of us can't do that are a foot shorter than him. But at the same time, it's just like you want to you really want to have the ball and feel it. And the guy has a 10 percent usage like I, that is bottom, bottom, bottom. And probably all of his usage comes from his offensive rebounding or lobs, you know. Um, so he's completely he's completely dependent on the rest of the team. 
And yet he still puts in this crazy effort defensively, turning shots away, not just blocking shots, but with his presence. He's playing really well in the drop defense as he typically does. Um, he's been able to switch out a little bit on the, on the perimeter and just doing his usual offensive rebounding thing. And everybody who knows me knows that I have been concerned and called the Knicks offense last year, rat fake, because I didn't know if the offensive rebounding thing could translate into the playoffs and be sustainable across multiple seasons. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think with Mitch, it, it can because he just does it. And the teams know coming in, you had a whole offseason for coaches to prepare and say, you know what Mitch wants to do. You know what the Knicks want to do. Let's figure out how to stop it. And they, they can't stop him. They can't stop him. It's crazy for me to say that they can't stop Mitchell Robinson. Um, so yeah, I, I that that's definitely who my shout out is going to. I don't know if either of you want to want to jump on that. Yeah, I'll quickly add. Um, Mitchell Robinson has 25 field goals on the season, and I believe 57 total rebounds. So he is he has two more rebounds than field goal attempts, and he has 30 offensive rebounds to 25 field goal attempts. So this is a guy who is doing all of the dirty work. I think Mitchell Robinson being one of the, I think one of the five or six longest tenured Knicks, I think they showed that graphic, six years in the program and has grown into an excellent basketball player. I think he's one of the 10 best defenders in the league today. And we need to start the conversation about Mitchell Robinson being a generationally great rebounder. And we got this guy in the second round of, to me, maybe the greatest draft of all time. You look at that 2018 draft and it's insane, but Mitchell Robinson, what he's doing, like just think, okay, let's think about the 2018 draft. We got the 31st pick in that draft. I think 31st Jalen Brunson, our starting point guard and our starting center was picked 38th in the same draft, two high level starters in the second round of one draft, insane stuff. But what Mitchell Robinson is doing, it's like, again, how RJ Barrett has grown up. It's like Mitchell Robinson. Okay. The way I like to compare it is, RJ Barrett is taking the leap. Mitchell Robinson has arrived. Like where he's at right now is so comforting. He has been the most consistent Nick. He's been at, I think he's been, while RJ Barrett's been the best on both ends, I think Mitchell Robinson has just been the best Nick flat out because he's the most dominant player and he's dominant every single night. I think they are, um, I think Breen and Clyde, they were talking that he's on the longest streak of his career with 20 plus minutes and one or less fouls. It's crazy. Like I never thought that the Mitchell Robinson that came into this league, who was a foul machine, he he would foul out of games regularly. It was insane. The amount of fouls he was picking up for him at six years into the league to be the consistent beacon of excellence that this defense is. Cause while Isaiah Hartenstein has been great, it starts and ends with Mitchell Robinson on the defensive end, just to see where he has grown into. I think that he deserves all the flowers and going forward, I'm going to be referring to this guy as a generationally great rebounder, maybe the best of his generation so far. Strong take to end it, but it's, it's definitely an argument. Um, and if he keeps it going like this, it may not be an argument anymore. <laughs> uh, anything you want to add about Mitch, Sean? Yeah, man. Um, I actually, uh, I, Mitch, I remember the guy, like, I remember when Mitch was the guy that could not set a proper screen, 
jumped at everything, anything, any ball fake, any shot fake, anything. He tried, he was trying to block everything. And I remember there was a real question, you know, when he wasn't extended. Like, should we keep him? Should we trade him? What have you? And I was on the, and I was like, you know what? If I'd like to keep him, but if he wants ridiculously, ridiculous amounts of money, maybe we should let him go. But um, listen, I, I've said this on spaces. I've said this to people. This team is, the Knicks are built around Mitchell Robinson on both sides of the court. Not that he's a primary option or the franchise player, but like, what he does and doesn't do is the basis for what this team does. Defensively, I mean, it's no contest, but like again, offensively, like we our rat fake offense was rat fake because he just grabbed every offensive rebound. And guess what? When you get offensive rebound, you're scoring that possession. It's not two possessions, it's one. So I, the only thing I'm really miffed at about Mitch is that every time I bet large amounts of money on him to hit his rebound props, he doesn't get them. And then the next night he does. Um Although he would have got him against Cleveland the first, on Tuesday night, but since we um um beat them bloody, he didn't play the fourth quarter. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bet it tonight. And then he had nine rebounds at half. But listen, man, uh, God bless Mister Robinson. And we can't close out a Mitch conversation, you know, without mentioning the fact that he is making 15.7 million this year, 14.3 next year. 12.9 the following year, descending contract. This guy is going to be making $13 million in 2025-26 while being one of the premier centers uh, in the NBA. Crazy stuff. Crazy. And I remember there was a report that came out that the Knicks were asking for, like as teams called during the offseason, teams were, um, they were asking for two first-round picks for Mitchell Robinson. Do you think the Memphis Grizzlies would give up two first-round picks right now to have Mitchell Robinson? You know, the guy's the guy's amazing, and I think we can't we can't say enough about him at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to our next segment. This is another new segment. This is something we like to call Why So Unserious. Uh, for this one, we're going to make our choice of, of who around the Knicks has been most unserious since our last casual Friday. Uh, again, we have from the great GMAC our following options. Uh, Julius Randall, you know, he probably won't get picked, right? Um, the NBA officials, Captain America, Jalen Brunson on the list, and Thomas Joseph 
Thibodeau Jr. on the list. Um, I'm going to kick this one off. Uh, we we had a, a pre-show debate about who would get to talk about Julius Randle in this segment. <laughs> take, you, take you behind the curtain. <laughs> I was Very like, intense well, game of rock, paper, scissors, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and it's obvious why. I mean, I mean, we know who's been the most unserious so far in this season, right? It's only five games and I'm going to couch everything I say with that fact because it's, it's a valid fact and it's true and it's relevant to all of our takeaways. Um, but for me, I have to think that Julius Randle's mental is not in a good place right now um, because we've all heard him talk about how important his mental is. And, 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 and really the reason I say that is because not only has his effort been bad, but his decision-making has been worse and he clearly just doesn't trust his instincts at all. Um, you know, his processing speeds are even lower than usual. And, and you know, Mensa always says, uh, you can say you can say your line. I don't want to even say it for you. What's the, yeah, what's, the so, what's the line, Mensa? I was gonna save this, but yeah, Julius <laughs> Randall processes like a computer with Windows ninety eight. But now <laughs> it's like he's processing with like a Windows Vista computer that has one too many LimeWire downloads. Like it's been terrible. The computer has a virus, guys. Like it's just it's not good. It's not what you want. It, it, it's it's not good. And I'm glad I let you say that because I couldn't have said it better. It's not good. And and to me, I just think it comes from a place of lacking confidence. And and okay, let's just keep it real, right? The shooting is horrible so far, obviously. Um, Randall shot a career high 66% at the rim last year, currently shooting 29% at the rim. Um, he's shooting 29% from the mid-range, shooting 26% from three. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Please I, hide I, the percentile <laughs> data, please. Wait, Wait I'm not going to mention the percentile. 27%? He's shooting 29% at the rim. Yo, I, <laughs> he shot, I he shot like, 66% at the rim last year. <laughs> I feel like I could shoot 29% at the rim. Like That's three I out of hit. 10. Like, three oh out of 10. <laughs> um, but, but okay. And so I'm not 6'9". <laughs> In, in more ways than one, you're not six nine. Um, but but yeah, I I um to me it's more it's, it's much less about the percentages than it is about like his decision making. Like he's passing up shots that he should take. He's forcing shots that he has no business taking. Like it's almost to me like as a baseball fan, it's almost like a baseball player that's in a slump or a hitter that's in a slump where he's like taking you know, he's taking strikes down the pipe and he's swinging at balls on the outside. It's like, you're all confused, my guy. Like, um, and, and, and one thing I want to say before I, I, I toss it over to you guys to see your thoughts. I mean, everyone seemed to take it as a given that last year, you know, his shot profile was so amazing. And, and, and that means his performance is going to be sustainable because all he has to do is maintain that shot profile. But I, I talked about this on the Hot Hand Theory podcast. Um, if we look at Randall's actual shot quality from last year, so B-Ball Index does a great job of quantifying the shot quality. His shot quality is was bottom fourth percentile in the league last year, right? That's, that's the year when everybody said, wow, his shot, his shot diet's amazing and all he has to do is sustain it. It was bottom fourth um, percentile in the league. And the reason is because that takes into consideration not just the location, which was was excellent last year, but the actual defense being played, the type of shot that he's taking, and like whether he's in motion or standing still. Again, bottom fourth percentile in the entire league. And if we look, it's really funny because if we look at the shot chart this year, 
it looks exactly the same as last year. Like exactly the same. Like I'm not going to read through the percentages. It's exactly the same as last year. Um, and so I don't think it's just about where Randall shoots from. I think it's about how difficult he makes those shots that he takes. Like when he bullies to the rim and he's shooting on the way down with a defender draped on him, like that's a hard shot. Last year, he was making those. Is he going to make those with the same consistency this year? I, I don't know. Um or on the three-point line, it's when he catches the ball and then he waits for the defender to close out and takes a, you know, a contested three off a, off a jab step rather than just an in-rhythm wide-open three. Those make a huge difference in sustainability. So it's not just the area of the court. It's the kinds of shots that you're getting. So for me, for Randall, it's all about effort and decision-making. And he needs to have better decision-making with the kinds of shots that he takes. And he just needs to show consistent effort. I know for him, it's like results often lead to a lack of decision making, but and, and effort. Um, but he's going to have to kind of work through that. Obviously, again, I will just caveat that little mini rant with saying five games, he's going to turn it around. He's obviously not going to shoot what Sean would shoot from the rim um, over the <laughs> course of a season. So you know, he's going to turn it around, but. But that's definitely that's definitely my my candidate for the person who's been the most unserious so far. Yeah, Julius Randle has been like the poster boy of unserious, and I've been tweeting about it for a while. Um, I'm not really the the scoring isn't bothering me. It's it's the decision making specifically on defense. It's like he's moving out there at 25 percent on defense. He's so lackadaisical and that's not what we need um on twitter last night um nick's twitter basically like as a as a family sent him to minnesota <laughs> and i i thought it was i thought it was pretty funny but it's it's emblematic of just the the frustration that we're dealing with benji did a really good job touching on this on the post game live stream about how continuity is kind of working against the knicks right now because we're not seeing five games of this This is like game 300 of the same stuff that we're seeing again and again and again and it grates at you so julius randall i think that's what it's been is that the play has been as a fan it's been grating and i do want to do a good i do want to do like a I don't want to make personal comments about Julius Randle. I don't want to talk about him as a person. I don't want to talk about, I just want to like talk about the basketball here and what I saw from him in the Cleveland Cavaliers game. The second one is a guy who looked like James Harden, who wanted to be traded. Like that's the effort that I saw on defense from him. It was really, it, it was, it wasn't what you want to see. And I think that his teammates, Forget the fans. I think his teammates deserve better. And I hope that he, well, the good news is he has 77 more games to be better, but we need to, we need to see him be a better basketball player. And it's funny you say that Mensa about his, you know, his teammates need him to be better because I led the show off with saying the fives are mutinous. Um, if this keeps up, one Ron Alexander Barrett Jr. If he keeps if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's gonna look at Julius Randle and put up two fingers and say, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! I am the <laughs> captain now." <laughs> I love it <laughs> because we can't we can't have like we can't have this anymore. Like like this has been 
I said on Twitter a few days ago because someone tweeted someone tweeted was like how do Nick fans put up with Jews like the inconsistency of Randall and I said it's a it's a roller coaster for sure but some people handle it better than others but it's a roller coaster like the fact that this odd year even year thing might be a thing is insane like what player goes from all NBA to bad to all NBA to like. But, but the reason why I say we don't have to put up with this anymore, because yes, there was a time where like in 2021, Julius was like, he was the engine. We didn't have any other choice. And in 2022, even though as bad as that season went, you know, we couldn't depend on Kemba's knee was cooked and RJ was still inefficient, whatever. Like, but from the day Leon Rose took over till now, like all the Knicks do is just acquire good basketball players i was even i was at the game on wednesday night and i was talking with my man cedric and i was telling him like the knicks keep the knicks are really good at getting the guy like trading a guy that either doesn't play or is not good enough and upgrading like we went from we 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 replaced cam reddish well i'll go back i'll go back further we replaced campbell walker jalen brunson we replaced cam reddish with josh hart we replaced Obi, and granted, I'm not going to bang on Obi, but Obi was getting 12 minutes a game. We replaced him with Don DiVincenzo. This team keeps acquiring good players, and you can't – these good players are not going to sit back forever and allow you to do the thing that you're doing. Now, again, like AJ said, it's five games. Literally something – it's like – but it's like Fred Katz said, when something goes wrong on the basketball court to this that uh badly to this effect, the reasons are not basketball. But uh Julius Randle is a free agent after next season. Like we, we can't have like we like there's only but so much there's only, this franchise, the players, the coaches, who the trainers. Can only put up with this ink, this roller coaster ride for so long. And I'll just say real quick, my concern is that the fact that it's a roller coaster is going to scare teams away. Even if he turns it around and has another tremendous season, I think that other teams, if we were ever shopping him or you know looking to be, put him as a part of a star trade package, other teams are going to be concerned that this could happen at any point, right? So that's that's a big concern that I have. Um, who wants to go next for, for their candidate for why so unserious? I'll go next. Um, and real quick, I just want to say, I'm not trading Julius Randle. I'm not sending him to Minnesota. I'm not saying we should give up on him, but to the point, the roller coaster, like you can only ride this great American screen machine so many times before your stomach just turns into knots, you know? So, um, my unserious candidate, I'm going to go off the board. Sorry, Andrew, don't kill me. Um, my uh, unserious candidate is going to be a group of people I call the pump fakers. And for the uh-huh. pump fakers, I will um, reference a tweet um, by the Strickland Swinnypoo, who said a few weeks ago, uh, a few days ago, uh, take a shot every time a Nick. Uh, every time Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson pump fake out of an open three. Um, and I wouldn't I, recommend that. I, was, guys. I, I said, <laughs> I, said I, was, I was on the daily playback um, on the Hoop Spaces Network today. And I said, listen, if you want to get f- smashed up, take a, take a shot every time a Nick, t- like, 
take, take a shot every time a Nick pump fakes out of an open three. Um, take the fucking shot. Please, if you're open, take the shot. I I was at the game yesterday. I what like to pump fake out of an open shot to dribble into an already crowded lane is just mind-boggling. It just happens over and over and over and over again. Listen, Russell Westbrook is a terrible three-point shooter. Like He's a career 31% three-point shooter. He has never been. I think the best, the best season he's ever had, I think, was like 34%. That's the best season he's ever had. When Russ is open for three, he takes a shot. And you know why he takes a shot? Because if he hits a few of them, you have to respect it. Like, or at the very least, the defense has to at least think about, all right, maybe I got to come out there. Maybe I got to do like we can't we all we spacing is already an issue already. As I said earlier, Mitchell Robinson, this team is built around Mitchell Robinson more than people realize, especially on the offensive end, because of his offensive rebounding and because Mitch does not do anything with the ball outside of three feet, which is fine. God bless him. I took a picture of him at the meet the next event. He's great. He's tall as hell. However, we like you have to take the shot. Like we cannot make the we cannot make this job any harder for ourselves. Please, Josh Hart. Please, Jalen Brunson. Please, Julius Randle. Please, Quentin Grimes. Take the shot if you're open. Take the shot. You, you think that Sean wants them to take the shot, or <laughs> I can't, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell, guys. I don't know. Um, no, uh, I'm not gonna 100%. lie. I, I'm not gonna lie. Real quick, I did have Josh Hart over one and a half threes yesterday. And I watched him. <laughs> That's where the hostility is coming from. Here it is. I watched him. I watched him pump fake out. No, I'm just, I'm just cut that part out. I don't want to see Andrew, cut that part out. I don't want to see like oh, it's all in. It, it's all in. No, yeah, it's cut. all in. <laughs> cut that part out. Cut that part out. No, but um, yeah, no, seriously, oh, cut man. that part out. I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, you suck because oh, you're mad because you're you're better to hit. I I'm trying to have some, I'm trying to maintain some credibility. It's so, still credible. Well, it's still credible because I they they do need to take the shot because it's not just about it's it's effing up the flow of the offense like it's it causes three second violations it it throws the whole offense out of whack like it, it doesn't allow Mitch to time his positioning for offensive rebounds you got to take the shot when you have it you know who takes the shot Emmanuel quickly takes the shot <laughs> Emmanuel quickly ain't pump faking off the shot and doing nothing he's pulling up if if he got it and the rest of them need to follow suit because it's completely necessary it's a necessary component of a well-flowing offense, again, at bare minimum, it's preventing Mitch from being able to time his positioning to get into the paint and grab some offensive rebounding. So not only does it does it mess up their flow and, and, and mess up the spacing, which they've had spacing issues all season so far, but it's just like creating a, a less efficient offense. Even if you take it and miss it, at least you know who, you know who might be grabbing it if you do it in rhythm. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's at the point where guys are pump faking and instead of um, defenders getting out with their hand up, they're getting into their defensive stance because they know you're coming their way. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not it's, it's not what you want. Um, yeah, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. We need to be a more confident offense and shoot the ball. And I know Tibbs is preaching that. 
Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Mensa to you, uh, who is your candidate? You can go with, uh, with the options that, that GMAC gave us the NBA officials, Jalen Brunson, Tom Thibodeau, or you can go off the board like Sean did. Um, I want to go off the board here. I do. I want to go off the board and I want to give the, the why so unserious to, I want to give it to Josh Hart. If I'm being honest, I feel like Josh Hart has not been his best self. I think that while he has like, you can't question Josh Hart's energy. You can't question like what he gives you on the defensive end. He's giving us his offensive rebounding, but there are times in the game where I'm watching Josh Hart and I'm like, is he giving us anything positive, which is a, which is night and day from what we got from him in the playoffs last year. And from what we got from him in the regular season post trade, I think Josh Hart was brought to this team. And especially with like the whole Villanova Knicks agenda, like Jalen Brunson, it's been difficult for Jalen Brunson because nobody's really been shooting, especially last night. It was just him in the starting five uh, with Quentin Grimes, who hasn't been playing very well. And with, um, uh, with Josh Hart, Julius Randle not shooting too well, but with with Josh Hart, especially because the bar was so low for him to clear last year because R.J. Barrett having a career worst year, we not necessarily romanticized him, but he was a breath of fresh air for us. And right now he's looking like the guy who got traded a couple times in his career and that's not what we need him to be. He's uh, he's supposed to be one of our vets. He's supposed to be consistent. And I value him for what he gives us defensively. I value him for his leadership. But he's like, he took a layup. I think, I forgot. It was like a, I feel like it was like an air ball, like scoop shot. And I just didn't understand it. I'm like, why? Like, what's going on with this guy? Um, and actually, if I can, if I can share my why so serious, the other guy I want to give it to who's not on the board is Quentin Grimes, who I feel like he's been playing basketball like my gym teacher from the eighth grade. You know, like it, the way he's just so he's so talented. That's where I want to start. I want to start with the truth about Quentin Grimes. He's a talented basketball player. He has 40% three-point um, shooting form, which is, is worth about nothing because he hasn't been shooting 40%. So we need him to get there. But he just needs to slow down. Like, In fact, it's not why so unserious for Quentin Grimes. It's why are you so serious? <laughs> you are too serious, my man. Bring it down some. Unserious up a little bit and let the game flow. It feels like, like he... What happened? It was it was an instance when I think Donovan Mitchell fell. He fell to the floor and Quentin Grimes still rushed the corner three point attempt. And I'm like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm like, like yeah, you could have just easily taken your time, man. You could have done the James Harden. You could have took one, two dribbles and like you could have squared up. And he's just so like he's too he's moving way too fast. I just need him. The minute Quentin Grimes slows the game down, as minute the minute it slows down for him is the minute this guy is going to take off and and really be one of the maybe maybe one of the what? I want to say 10 to 15 most important role players in the league because he gives you that defensively. It's just on, on offense we need him to to be more serious with the ball in his hands and to slow down and just just let the game come to him. I, and it's been, he's been more frustrating, I think, than Josh Hart for me is Quentin Grimes. But those two together, they're like, I need, we need them to be better. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I we definitely need them to be better, and I believe that they will. I think you really hit it, Mensa, when you said we're kind of getting the Josh Hart that has been traded a couple times because this Josh Hart is the one that was in Portland um, before he was traded to the Knicks and kind of rejuvenated his season and and seemingly his career. Not that he was like on the downturn or anything, but he was not having a great season when he got traded from Portland. And I, I, to me, that's the only reason why anybody could have had an issue with the pick that the Knicks traded for him. But, you know, obviously he got to the Knicks and then completely took off. Um, you know, he seems like he's back to that Portland guy, but again, like we always, like we've said about everything here, five games, five games. And, you know, I believe Josh and, and Quentin Grimes, I have more on him in a little bit, um, are going to turn it around, uh, pretty soon here. So Sean, you, anything you want to add on those two? No, I think Mets hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, when Josh Hart showed up here, he was shooting like 55% from three. And obviously we knew that wasn't sustainable. But um, I think someone said yesterday, like, you know, if Josh Hart is not rebounding and defending and he's pumping out of threes, like, what is he doing? So, you know, so I again, it's been five games, but we need – and listen, Josh Hart has embraced being in New York, you know, telling Jason Tannen get out of here and get a New York braid in his hair or whatever. But we need – um, you know, we just need more. And then for Grimes, like, listen, when, the, like you said, when, the, when he figures it out, when the light bulb goes off for Grimes, there's a really good player in there. and it's going to be a really good player in there. But as I said earlier, not all progression is linear. So I'm, I have no problem being patient with Quentin Grimes. Um, he's younger, but we would like to see, we would like to see um, them take steps forward. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let us close out with our final segment. Um, it's a segment where we're going to do one bold predict prediction for over the next week until the next casual Friday. So it could be anything. It could be a prediction for something that's going to happen. It can be a bet that we would take. Um, anything like that. Let's uh, see what each of the three of us have. Let's start with, uh, with Sean. Let's, let's, let's throw it back to you immediately. What, what do you got? Okay. My bold take is that Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, is going to be the national coming out party for Mitchell Robinson. Because that day, we host the San Antonio Spurs on ESPN. And, you know, there's going to be all this talk about Wemby, 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 and, oh, Wemby's going to do this to the Knicks, whatever. And um, 
Mitchell Robinson is going to fold Victor Wembanyama and stick him in the basket. He's going to bully him. He's going to beat him up. He's going to get rebound after rebound after rebound. And then people watching naturally are going to say like, oh, wait a minute. This Mitchell Robinson guy is pretty good. And we're going to and we're all going to all New Yorkers and be like, we've been saying this for about two years now. Um, so my bet is that, in fact, listen, if you're like me and you're into like uh, gambling and stuff, if you can find some props on some player awards for Mitchell Robinson, the, the chatter will increase because, like I said, Mitch is going to stick Victor Wimbanyama in the basket next Wednesday night. I think we would uh, obviously all love to see it. Um, I, I've i gotten a chance to watch a, a little bit of Wemby. He can kind of float in and out of games when he's engaged and seems like he's locked in. He's tough. He's tough right off the off the bat. But I definitely believe Mitch can can kind of handle him uh, physically, at least at this stage in his career. So I could totally see it. I mean, if you're not watching... <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to do what Mitchell Robinson did. Um I think after a game 3 or game 4 against the Cleveland Cavaliers and shook they're going to be shook. Victor Wembanyama <laughs> is going to be shivering shook when he has to face Mitchell Robinson because like like Sean said like one thing about Victor Wembanyama is he's very like high, right? So Mitchell Robinson and his understanding of center of gravity is going to push Victor Wembanyama out to the three-point line. He's not going to get... If he gets more than six rebounds, I will be shocked. Like, I think Mitchell Robinson's going to dominate Victor Wembanyama on November 8th, for sure. That's so interesting. So you guys have him dominating Wemby. I, I, I think he's going he's gonna to win that matchup in terms of, like, the clash on the glass, but I think Wemby's... Wemby's he's, been, he's shown me something already so far, but... I, I definitely think and hope uh, that Mitch uh, is able is up to the task. He's been he's been and I will say so far this season an elite center, um, and I hope that he continues along that pace. So for another bold prediction, let's go to you, Mensa. What do you got? Bold prediction over the next um, over the next week or so. Just yeah, over the next week. Yeah, anything that could happen over the next week. Okay, bold prediction. Um, after we spent so much time dunking on Julius Randle, uh, my bold prediction until it happens is that Julius Randle is going to wake up and be the all NBA basketball player that we need him to be. Um, I mean, he's been playing like he saw the, there was a study that came out, I think this week or last week about the two States that have the, the um, most stress-free lifestyles, Minnesota and Utah. And it, it looks like Julius Randle is, is trying to see what that's about. <laughs> the way he's been playing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they live in stress free over in Minnesota, even Utah. You know, uh, hey, you know, and, and both and both of those teams have power forwards that I would not mind having on my basketball team. But um, one power I think, in particular that somebody would really like to have on this basketball team. Oh, yo, you know, you know the power forward that I'd love to have on this basketball team, who is a perfect fit over uh, Julius. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I think he's going to wake up. I think he's going to get it together. Um, Let's look at the, I quickly looked at it. I think we have tomorrow we have Milwaukee and Giannis normally puts Julius Randle in the toilet and flushes. Like it's normally really bad, but I think the way that Milwaukee has been playing, I think Julius Randle is going to catch lightning in a bottle. Again, we have the Clippers. The Clippers don't really have anybody right now. that can guard Julius Randle. They, with the trade, 
of our, I don't think PJ Tucker's playing yet. They just got rid of Marcus Morris. They just got rid of Robert, Robert Covington. So while PG and Kawhi are great defenders, Julius Randle does have the weight advantage on them. And then one thing about Julius Randle is that he plays against star. Like when, when a star is on the other side of him, he tends to play better. And then we have the Spurs who I think by that point, Julius Randle would have had two good games under his feet and he'd be in, and he'd be rolling. So I'm expecting Julius Randle to get it together now because if he doesn't get it together now, the Knicks season is in jeopardy in terms of reaching their ceiling. I, I think whether or not Julius Randle gets, um, I think whether or not Julius Randle gets, gets his act together, the Knicks are going to be good this year, but it keeps us from reaching our potential of Julius Randle isn't the all NBA player. So we need him and we need him bad. Yeah. I, um, I think you could like quantify what, what that breakout would look like, man. So like, what do you think is going to happen? Return to Mr. 25 and 10. I think so. All right. 25 and 10 going for that. Yeah, that would be, that would be really impressive to see that bounce back. I'm hoping that the, the end season tournament works as like playoff training wheels for Julius Randall. It's like, <laughs> he, he, he gets a little bit of pressure. Like the court's different. All right. You can feel that some, something's going on. I don't know. Something feels different, but like, it's not Somebody playoff level. To, um, <laughs> Somebody needs to put a meme together with like a, a dad and their son and Julius Randle on the tricycle and Tom Thibodeau pushing the trike that I would I would probably make that my profile picture for like a month. It would be that, great. That's hilarious. I, I, I'm getting in my ear uh, that APJP assistant producer Justin Palmer is asking us to react to uh, Charles Barkley saying that the Knicks need cat uh, a live producer's note that I'm receiving. Do you guys have thoughts on that while we're on the subject? Yeah, let me jump in um, while I'm here. I am Nick's Film School's closet cat supporter. <laughs> I think I'm the only guy who likes cat on um, on our roster here. I would love uh, well, cat, but I was gonna say, chill. I like cat not as a four, as a five. But 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 that's what I'm saying. Like I think because when I watch what Julius Randle is giving us, and I watch what Cat's giving us, I like what would. What would what's the difference? You know, at least Cat's going to shoot that thing when he's open and at least he's going to set some good screens. And one thing about him is he's such a fast processor on offense. Like he makes lightning fast passes and he's very accurate. So I'd like to see him, especially because of where Mitchell Robinson is. I don't think that you can trade Mitchell Robinson for any center other than Joel Embiid. I, he's just been as far as like what you're getting. Um, value per dollar, nobody is more, is going to be like, you're not getting Nicole Jokic. That's way out of the question, but you're not trading him for Carl Anthony Towns. At this point, if you ask me who would I rather have on my team, Mitchell Robinson or Carl Anthony Towns, I'm saying Mitchell Robinson. And I'm not thinking about it, especially considering he's making what 30%, 35% of what cat's about to command on that extension. So um, yeah, but if we get him as a power forward, I think that his offensive ceiling along with Jalen Brunson, those two offensively. Wow. I mean, it would be special, especially with RJ Barrett on the wings and Mitchell Robinson and like cleaning up the paint, even having to switch out on, if he has to switch, you don't want him to switch because you want him around the rim for offensive rebound and that kind of stuff. But I do think that I think it would work, but it would have to be with him as a power forward. I do not want Carl Anthony Towns as a center on this basketball team. Yeah, I just want to say real quick that like uh, I, I know I jumped in ahead of you, Sean. I just wanted to respond to that really quick. I I also agree that I would not want to bring in Cat and ship out Mitch at this point, but for that reason, I just don't think he's a fit on the team. Like if the Knicks didn't have a center 
or, you know, had a worse center than Mitchell Robinson, then I would be more interested. But I just, you know, I think at the four, he can definitely play the four. It can be effective. But where Cat's like a difference maker, like high impact player to me is like at the five where he's spacing out the court and it completely throws out off the opponent's defense, sort of like Porzingis has been doing with uh, with Boston. So that's all I would say about it. Yeah, um, I actually was, you know, I put a poll out on Twitter, I think on Tuesday, and I said, who's a better player, Julius Randle or Carl Anthony Towns? And I believe seven, I believe Carl, uh, Julius won the polls like 70, well, 70% of the vote, which, you know, I mean, I got a lot of, a lot of Knicks followers, what have you. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if you break it down, like, they're both, or defensively, they're both a shambles, but Offensively, Cat is the better, is clearly the better basketball player offensively. So if I, in a vacuum, I could just say, oh, if I could just take out Julius Randle and put Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not losing anything, right? But we don't live in a vacuum. We live in New York City, and (laughs) Carl Anthony Towns is going to earn $62 million at the end of his contract. And you'd have to trade picks and stuff for him. So listen, what Chuck said about Chuck said the quiet part out loud that, you know, this team is not challenging bosses. team is not challenging Milwaukee. They're just like, they're not competing. They're good, but they're just, you know, you know, they're just hovering. That shouldn't be the guy that you trade things for, but in a vacuum, it's like, well, like, so like Minta said, how much do you really like, if you could just do a one for one swap, how much are you, would you really lose? You like you gain on off like defensively you don't lose anything and offensively you 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 improve. Quick uh quick pop pop quiz for you guys. Who's shooting higher from three, a higher percentage from three this year? Carl Anthony Towns or Julius Randle? Right now, probably Julius Randle. Carl Anthony Towns has been terrible. That, that, that uh, seems like a trick question. <laughs> so I'm gonna say now. Yeah, Julius Randle. <laughs> Julius Randle is shooting 25.8% from three. Carl Anthony Towns is shooting 23.8% from three. So it is Julius Randle. That is just to say, it's a small sample, guys. It's very early in the season. Not to you guys, but just to everyone listening. It's, it, you know, it's very early. I know it's, it, it, it's very easy to, to react because we're watching all these games and seeing like this terrible shit. But, you know, that, that is just to say, it's very early. Um, so I will go ahead with my one uh, bold take or prediction. Um, mine it refers to somebody who was on on Mensa's unserious list, um, Quentin Grimes. So I I think Quentin Grimes is going to drop twenty points in one of the games this week, including five made threes. That's my bold prediction. Very you love specific. to see it. I'll, what man? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I mean, like, listen, you were right, Mensa. Like, there's a lot of things that he's not doing well, and uh, I think you both pointed to it. And right now, he's shooting a garbage 31 percent from three, and it does seem like he's off. But he's actually still shooting 40 percent on catch and shoot three so far, which is feels shocking. Like watching the games, it does not feel like he's shooting 40 percent on catch and shoot threes. He is six of 20 on catch and shoot threes, 40 percent. Um, he's O of six on pull up threes. So really for Grimes, 
taking dribbles has been the problem. Grimes <laughs> needs to just shoot the ball. Grimes needs to catch the ball and shoot the ball and and listen to Sean's advice from earlier in the pod because he does feel like he's getting sped up. He does feel like he's trying to like every shot feels like there's so much pressure on it. Like he needs to make it. He needs to show that he's like this elite floor spacer. And I think he needs to just chill out, catch the ball, and shoot it. I love the in, against the Hawks when he took a couple threes over Trey Young. They tried to hide Trey Young on Quentin Grimes. And in that case, you have to make Trey Young pay for that. And he did it. He caught a couple uh, uh, open threes and pulled them and shot him right over Trey Young at, uh, attempt at closing out. And he hit both of them. So to me, we're going to see more of that. I see it coming. He's still, he still hasn't, doesn't feel like he's fully calibrated. I think he's, he's trying to do a little too much of whatever JJ Reddick tried to teach him this off season. He just needs to go back to the, to the old school QG catch and shoot threes. Um, again, it seems like he's shooting terribly shooting 40% on catch and shoot threes. So I, I see him putting it together in one of the games coming up uh, this week. That's a great stat. Wow. 40% on catch and shoot threes. Just catch them and shoot them, man. Like, that's all you got to do. And if he starts doing that, then God bless. So go full Clay Thompson and just don't dribble, just catch and shoot. <laughs> full simple Clay enough. Thompson. Yeah, simple <laughs> enough. Hey, it, it worked very well for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, again, I, I see him hitting five threes in a game coming up this week. So. I hope that the next casual Friday could come back and 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 not look stupid. <laughs> like he doesn't hit five across the next three games. <laughs> he scored twenty <laughs> points total. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry. On listen, you don't have to worry about Greg Popovich seeing this and saying and just parking Wemby in the corner the entire time and 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 <laughs> Mitchell and just and just have Mitch Mitch looking lost out there. But I, I stand. I stand by. As a kid said, I stand on business. So I stand on what I said. Respect, respect. Um, well, yeah, this was a great casual Friday. Um, hope you all love the segments that we pulled out um, that GMAC has helped us put together and craft it. Um, one final note I wanted to give before we get out of here, a reminder for everyone listening and watching um, that Nick's Film School is doing a live watch party tonight at Pennsylvania 6. Uh, it's going to be a blast. You know, I, I personally have crazy FOMO right now because I live in Florida and I can't make it. Um, but I hope I hope everyone goes and I can live vicariously through all of you. <laughs> um, and like we talked about, you know, it's the first game of the in-season tournament. We're playing Dame and Giannis. It's just going to be it's going to be crazy. So um, I would definitely advise advise checking that out. Anything either of you want to add? I'll, I'll say this. Off. I'll say this. I'll be there. And if any of you have had problems with my takes, you disagree with me, you think I'm bugging, pull up, argue with me. If you Turn do the a podcast good job, <laughs> take your headphones out pull, right now. <laughs> pull up, argue oh, with me. And if you do a good job, I may buy you a drink. Penn Six is on 32nd Street between 6th and 7th Avenue. It's a, it's a half a block from Madison Square Garden. Put up a shut up. I'll be there. We'll be there. And this is your one chance. And if you don't pull up and you're in my mentions the following week, I'm going to block you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. $20 if you RSVP in advance. So RSVP in advance, $25 at the door. And that drink includes specials. food. That, that includes food. Includes food. Includes food. There's going to be drink specials. And I think there's a Nick's 
tickets raffle. Is that right? I, I'm not going, so I didn't look too much into it. But <laughs> um, we do fun so. things like that. Yeah, yeah there, there's fun things like that. It's gonna be dope. So please check it out. Um, any last thoughts from you all on on the opening uh, opening week of the season? No, no final thoughts, but I do want to bring up, even if you cannot come out with us at Penn Six, we are still going to be doing a post-game live stream after the game. So win, lose, draw, you will be able to hang out with us over here at Nick's Film School. Absolutely. Well said. Um, yeah, that that's all for another edition of uh, Formal Friday, um, formerly known as Casual <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Nick, stop being casual. Get it together. All right, guys. Indeed. Later. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. <laughs>